Hey everybody, welcome to Coffee Time at the Water's Edge. I'm Rodney and thank you for joining us on this wonderful summer day. As you know, summer days, oftentimes viewership and listenership on the podcast side, the audio only side, has a tendency to drop a little bit, but that's okay. For those of you who are joining us, thank you very much. We love the support and the listens. So because there are some things going on, life things going on, we decided to take this chance to circle back to some of the old school coffee time Q&A episodes. And we thought we'd bring you a couple of our favorites. And this one is something that we do think needs to be rehashed and re-looked at. Uh, so we are going to look at a question from a viewer. Uh, this was, I think this was the first question or Q&A episode that we did. And this is, how do you deal or how do you share the gospel with a youth who is struggling with gender identity and suicide? So let's just take a look. Hey everybody, welcome to episode six of Coffee Time q and I'm Pastor Steve, and I got with me the Mad Hatter, Adam Rastetter, once again. Hey guys. And my man, Rowdy Rod, Rodney Boozy, one of our elders. And back by popular demand, we have this week, we're drinking. This is Canopian. Once again. Yes. Woo. We loved it so much. Yeah, well, yeah, Adam loved it. So I know. Yeah. We had to go with it. Half <laughs> Ethiopian, half, half Kenyan. 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 Canopian. All right, guys. Cheers, mates. Mm. <laughs> Ah, it's good. Yeah. You notice how Rodney tried to set that on on this little <laughs> party foul here he's got going on? <laughs> what happened, Rod? Uh, miss poor. <laughs> Definitely a miss poor. <laughs> I'll have to put that in the edits. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Play Hashtag that. Rodney poor. dumping, <laughs> wasting good coffee. Oh, on no. Hey, well, a couple of weeks ago, we created a card on one of our websites. So at Water's Edge, we have two websites. we got watersedgevb.com, which is our general community church website. But then internally, we have wec.life, and that's where it's kind of like a digital bulletin where we have our announcements, signups, registration stuff on there. And we put a card for Coffee Time Q&A on there where people could submit questions. Um, we've got a couple of those. We're going to wrestle with one of them today. Um, and this question, I knew when we opened this up, we were going to get a lot of difficult questions, yeah. uh, which oh, yeah. is good. You know, and that's part of why we do this, because I think far too long churches have ignored difficult conversations mm-hmm. around topics. And we just we don't want to do that. Um, so this question specifically says, how do we speak the gospel into a young teen who is struggling with gender confusion, attempted suicide, and depression. And man, I just right off the bat, I uh, I think a question like this, you know, we have to address with a, a high level of pastoral sensitivity, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe speak to that as a youth guy, um, and mm-hmm. also just as a as a pastor who really cares about hurting people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it is a tough thing to be a teen these days. You know, there's, there's a lot of things out there, um, that 
are just difficult to navigate through. And so I think of the student, I think of the parent who is hearing this, and, and it's a, a heartbreaking thing to, to hear something like that. So, um, you know, I, I think for the parent, like, praise God that you're able to have the conversation with your child because, you know, the you need that open line of communication and you want to certainly make sure that you um, acknowledge the feelings um, w- without affirming, affirm your love for your child and your willingness to, to walk through all of it with them, um, making sure to let them know that, that you're committed to, to help them. Um, do everything you can to, to speak the truth in, in love and able to lovingly just let them know, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to work this out, you know? And I think, I think that is, is so important. Just engage in the conversation. Like, how did you begin feeling this way? How, um, how does it make you feel about yourself? And, you know, a lot, a lot of conversation I think just needs to happen and understanding and ongoing conversation. Yeah. I think, would you, you know, as a parent hearing that news, maybe, or even as a teen, when you get something in your mind, it's almost like, this is it. Uh, I've got to do this kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And so I, I think as a, as a, as a counselor or someone who loves them, someone wants to help, we want to immediately say, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. There's no need, no need to rush like some major decision, you know, mm-hmm. like this, mm-hmm. um, and to really take time to process it as yeah. we figure things out, um, kind of try to mm-hmm. start to work through them. Um, yeah, you think, um, you know, I, I think you certainly don't want them to start taking that identity on before you know maybe just saying this is this may be a phase some feelings that you're having um and and try to you know try to work you know yeah there was a there was a study uh vanderbilt university did a study um not it was it's been a little while i think 2011 i can't remember the exact year but it was on children now a little younger like young children who experience gender confusion, um, or just wrestle with questions about their gender. And um, what they found is that as they observed them over the years, um, that 80% of them, those feelings went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think pumping the brakes a little bit and slowing down the conversation, and that's still 20% that didn't, you know, and so there's, you know, serious conversations that need to be had and, mm-hmm. and wrestling through with that. But um just I, I want to emphasize that the, the for the parent not to freak out, but to kind of slowly mm-hmm. inject love and pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know it's often linked with depression and you know suicide, Absolutely. as we're seeing in this question for mm-hmm. sure. You know, the question specifically mentions how do we share the gospel? How do we speak the gospel into a person's life? You know, who's wrestling with these things? And so maybe Rodney talk about contextualizing the gospel? Well, uh, to me, I mean, sharing the gospel to anyone uh, is sharing the gospel to them wherever they are at that moment. I mean, I think about myself before I came to Christ and what I was like before then. And and I always think in my head, there's somebody, there was somebody out there probably going, how am I going to share the gospel with that guy? But truthfully, just sharing the gospel, period, you know, is is a huge start 
if, if nothing else. Um, cause I think that we often like to categorize sin or categorize where people are based on, I mean, I mean, whether we know on the or, type of sin, on the yeah. type of sin that they're committing. And to me, sin is to miss the mark. And so whether you're somebody like Berkowitz, you know what I mean? In, in prison, who is now running one of the largest prison ministries, you know what I'm saying, out there, um, who was a serial killer originally, to even somebody who is just missing the mark by not believing in God, who is really living a great life, but just not believing in God. Um, whatever you're at in that, to me, you're still missing the mark. I mean, I play darts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. to me, missing the mark is missing the mark. If I'm not hitting the bullseye, I'm not hitting the bullseye, right? Yeah. And and I think that's, to me, that's sharing the gospel to anybody, no matter where they're at within that range, is sharing the gospel. Yeah, no, that's, that's a common definition of sin, right? This idea of missing the mark. Uh, it's an archery term, right? Or darts, darts. missing the bullseye. <laughs> um what is the mark, though? You know, as we think about that, and I, I think we're talking about God's good design. You know, how did God design human beings? How did He design us to flourish in this mm-hmm. world? Mm-hmm. And there are certain identities and certain behaviors um, through which God has ordained for us to walk in in right. this life. And when we're missing the mark, you know, we are, um, in that sense, sinning. You know, when, sure. you know, for example, lying, right? Yeah. God didn't ordain for us or didn't purpose us to not tell the truth to other people because it hurts other people, right? Right. And so you're, you're by virtue of that, not walking in that design mm-hmm. of his beautiful design, you know, and, and right. the scripture, um, you know, I think highlights for us an organic unity between biological sex and gender, you know, and I know in modern academia, there's a lot of debate around is gender, gender a social construct? Is it a continuum? You know, and there's a lot of those conversations. But biblically speaking, we're talking about an organic unity between God's design as male and God's design as, as female mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. complementary nature of those two with one another to become one flesh. Right. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote that I have become all things um, how, did, how does it go? I said, I said it earlier. Um, I become all things to all people so that, you right. know, I may save some, you know, that God would use him to save. And I, and I take that to mean that he is, he's serious about contextualizing the gospel. You know, if mm-hmm. he's speaking to Greeks high level, he's going to speak philosophically. If he's speaking right. to Jews, he's going to talk about terms of law and systems of salvation, law versus grace. Um, and so I think there is an element of contextualizing the gospel to someone who is in you know, wrestling with gender identity because the gospel speaks to our identity. It does. You know, if we think about the implications of the gospel, that we're professing a belief in a God who not just, you know, didn't create us by happenstance, but very intentionally made human beings male and female. And in doing that has... um desires to have a relationship with us. This is what the gospel is, that God is reconciling sinners to himself. And all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. Mm -hmm. And the lives that we create for ourselves apart from God, right, living as as rebels, as as apart from him, Mm -hmm. are essentially lives 
a fake identity, a life that we weren't meant to live. And so when Jesus issues the call for anyone to follow him, he says to do what? To to leave that behind. To lay down your yeah, life. Lay down yeah. your life. Yeah. yeah, it says, if anyone wishes to follow me, he must mm-hmm. deny himself, yeah. pick up his cross, mm-hmm. and come after me. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think there's an element in speaking to someone's identity. Where do we get our sense of identity from? Are we getting that from pop culture, um, trying to fit in? Are we getting that with from our peers? How are we looking at ourselves and seeing our self-value and our self-worth? Because... You know, people who struggle with depression, usually it is a, a comes down to a sense of their identity, mm-hmm. that their the value that they are ascribing to their own life is usually predicated upon something outside of themselves, like how other people think about them or feel about them, how they look, how they, you know, act or whatever. Um, and so I think that there is a is a is an opportunity to speak with people about their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, where do we draw this from? Is our identity rooted in the Creator who made us for His good pleasure, um, that we could enjoy Him and, and love Him and serve Him and live a life that He designed for us to live? Uh, and I think that that's maybe a little bit nuanced to a situation like this, but but it's at least a good start to a conversation about, you know, especially with a young person who is still trying to figure out their identity, right? Right. right. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I think it, identity has become a hot topic issue, right? You know, and I think it's um, specifically amongst um, teens. And and I, I know um, you had read an article about um, that Joe Carter wrote. Oh, you, uh, yeah, I was telling I was telling you guys. It was, yeah, he he talked about this thesis of social contagion that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started with a, a story about suicide. You know, if, if suicide was romanticized in a certain culture, suicides rise. Um, and he he talked about it from the perspective of transgenderism. And, you know, as it's become more part of pop culture, more mainstream media, more in academia and psychology, it's, it's just become a topic that um, for some people has become kind of a trendy thing. Mm-hmm. And so he equates the rise. Um, and he was looking at specific data. I think it was from, you know, it was estimated at one point in recent history that 0.6%, that is less than 1% of adults identify as transgender. And at that same time, it was somewhere around 0.7%, just slightly higher was the estimated number of teens from age 13 to 17 that identified as transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, I guess CBS had put out some numbers um, that were closer to 3%. And so you're talking about a, a pretty dramatic increase yeah, in, the, in the rise jump. of. And so could it be that that's a bit of social contagion that has taken place? And he certainly believes so and, you know, cited mm-hmm. and, you know, done a lot more research than, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm able to share here. But it was it was an interesting thing, and it's an interesting phenomenon, you know, as we, yeah. as we look at our culture and how it's shaping ideas, um, how it's shaping, you know, where we get our sense of identity, you know, as we live out our, our lives and grow in a, you know, I think mm-hmm. kids are growing, like you said, in a, in a culture that is much different from when we were growing up and more difficult in some ways because yeah. of, I think, how public everything is now mm-hmm. you know? yeah but i think i think there's a lot of um 
hope. You know, you just talked about how how feelings change, kids change. Um, you know, the, and the hope the hope of the gospel is is uh, is is certainly the same. And so when we speak those things, we 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 talk about their value as, as who they are, um, and and God's love for them, and and we just pray for them. We just pray that it that they will um, see see the truth that they will will be able to repent of any anything that's needed and and certainly um, follow Christ yeah but I also think that we, we got to be careful because I think there's a some damage that you know the church can do by just ignoring this this conversation or denying the reality <clears throat> of the feelings right mm-hmm and so uh, while we say feelings aren't everything, feelings are fleeting, they, they kind of come and go in mm-hmm. many cases, but to to deny the perception of the person is to dismiss what to them is their reality in that sure. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a danger in in the way we speak to people. And I, and I think that's what's underneath this question is how do I sense it, you know, with sensitivity and care speak to a young person who's struggling with these things because obviously it is a sensitive issue if they've attempted suicide, you know, and if they're struggling with depression. Mm -hmm. Um, It it seems to be interrelated many, many times when it comes to the topic of transgenderism. Mm -hmm. Now, could that be because of the way they're being treated or other, you know, mental aspects that are going on internally? Um, I think there, there was additional studies that, you know, I think John Hopkins University did on folks, or no, it was in Sweden. In Sweden, there was like a, a tracking of individuals who had sexual reassignment surgery mm-hmm. for like 30 years, from like the 1970s into the early 2000s. And unfortunately, people that had sexual reassignment surgery were somewhere, I think it was 20 times more likely to attempt suicide, um, yeah. even after the surgery. Right. And so... Clearly, there's there's more to it yeah. than just a quick fix of yeah. let me reassign myself. You know, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't, you know, benefit the individual that way. And so I think there's layers to this mm-hmm. to unpeel and unpack. Um, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's certainly deep. And, you know, I, I do think um, they're just approaching it, though, it just being... I think if you have have been able to have these this conversation with your child openly and you know letting if they're they're welcoming you into their conversation there's so much so much good that can happen. Yeah. So it's encouraging in and of itself that there is mm-hmm. some level of conversation uh, mm-hmm. if a child is coming to you with that. Yeah. Um but man it is it is heavy. So I think heavy. that you want to tell those kids, you know, that you love them, that you mm-hmm. you want to um, help them, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think that sharing the gospel is is the most basic fundamental of all human needs that we have right. is the need to be reconciled to our Creator, yeah. because the further we are from our Creator, I think the more troubled we will be in this world. <laughs> yes. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. That's certainly true. Yeah. yeah. Well, any any final concluding thoughts on this? I know there's so much more we could explore, but <laughs> well, I mean, I I think that, um, like I said before, with with sharing the gospel, um, it is an important thing, you know, to 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 not let 
people go without knowing to me. Yeah. Uh, um, I think that it's a, it's a very important thing that we are all, all of us called to do, you know, I mean, go and make disciples of all nations, yeah, baptizing them in the name of the mm-hmm. father, son, and the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey the commands. I heard that this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Somebody but said that. It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's what we're all, as followers of Jesus Christ, called to be mm-hmm. a part of. Uh, I think a lot of people think that it's just the pastor mm-hmm. of a church, and that's not true. And mm-hmm. so sharing the gospel is a very important part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, and somebody, you know, that's dealing and maybe dealing with a lot of guilt, shame over this, you know, that's our hope. That's our hope is, is in Christ. Right. Yeah. So. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Yeah, and that's it's right. it's His work ultimately that transforms lives. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's a good thought to conclude on. Absolutely. Well, thanks, fellas. Good conversation. Yeah, thank you. Um, we'll be back at it next week. Hey, don't forget to submit your questions. WEC.life. Go to the Coffee Time Q&A card. Uh, we'd love to have you. Subscribe to our channel. If you haven't done that, hit that notification bell so you make sure you get notified whenever we put out new videos. God bless you all. thank you everybody for joining us we really appreciate the the views and the listens if you're listening to this on apple podcast make sure you leave us a review we do want to know how we're doing And if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you click that like button and subscribe and click that bell so you know when we release new videos. We love you all and God bless.